0: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. Hello, everybody. Real quick, Patrick Moran here. Before
1: I play this episode, featuring Brian Duff, Buffalo Sabres TV broadcaster. Just want to let you know, real quick, we tape this show live from Imperial Pizza in South Buffalo. And long story short, I am an absolute idiot. For the first maybe two minutes of the episode, the mics were muted and I didn't realize it initially. If you were watching it live on the video side, obviously there's nothing I could do. But here on the audio side, before I play this episode for you, just wanted to let you know that right away. Didn't really miss much. It was just basically me um, introducing the show, introducing Brian, sending it up from Imperial Pizza. And then I asked him a question. He started getting into an answer. And at that point, I realized that the mics were, absolutely, um, were actually muted. So luckily, I caught it relatively early in the episode. Beyond that, it's still perfectly fine. So what I'm going to do is play the intro right now into the show. And then from there, it's going to pick up with Brian pretty much in the middle of an answer. But just so you know that and you're not confused, that's what happened. The first two minutes of the show or so were uh, the mics were muted. But anyway... It was a great interview. Brian Duff is an awesome dude. I thought this chat was really informative and really entertaining. I think you're going to enjoy it. So let me play the intro. And here it is, my conversation live from Imperial Pizza with Brian Duff.
0: Welcome to Talking Buffalo, featuring conversations with guests from around the world of sports, media, pop culture, and all things Buffalo with your host, Patrick Moran.
2: And, you know, it just took a long time before I finally got here with my girls and it wasn't long ago. And then it just it's 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 a typical Buffalo thing. You know, then there's a connection. And then, you know, I met Steven, who's one of the managers here uh, at a charity event uh, for CP. And then here you and I are, are sitting here talking and it, it's great. I mean, the, the setting is, is wonderful. And, you know, I'm, I'm thrilled that you invited
1: me on. And we banged out some pretty good chicken wings. Oh my gosh, daffles. yeah! What yeah, we, have? we had medium, medium chard. charred, yeah. I like the flavor on those, kind of like that salty char taste, like definitely. Yeah, and then we had traditional medium barbecue. Man. Medium
2: barbecue and, was and, and, great. And I was telling you before that just last week, a South Buffalo legend in Kevin Kennedy was back, and we surprised him with his 40th birthday party that we did, and of course, we had Imperial. You know, help us out with all the food and the wings and the pizza were just awesome. And he being a South Buffalo guy, that's his favorite place. So it all worked out really well.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. There's just, there's a lot to like about this place. And I'm not just saying that because they sponsor the show. I, I would endorse a place if, if I didn't think the food was really good. And uh, just the vibe here too. Nice crowd here. Nice. By crowd. the way, if you're watching us on the video side, I don't know if you're watching on, or listening on audio, you can, you wouldn't know this, but we're outside again. For a third straight week here at Imperial, dude, this it's is perfect. summer weather, man. This oh. is
2: yeah, this and it's not nice. ridiculous. No, it's nice. I mean, it was it was a little a uh, little breezy earlier, but uh, no, we've got ourselves a perfect night. And bison's are going to be back in town and uh, and rolling this weekend. So uh, yeah, it's a good time to be doing this.
1: Do so. you get into a lot of the other Buffalo teams besides everyone wow. obviously in association with the So Sabres.
2: nice little story just before we hopped on. Um, uh, I'm assuming a mother and daughter that were walking out. Girl was about this high. She's like. I love your hoodie. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> this is great. I love, I mean, the Bandits. So I'm a huge lacrosse guy, have been since I was probably her age. And and it's just, it's so cool to have now actually seen them win the title in person. You know, obviously I was witness to the previous oh, four. No, but this year, yeah. I, and and uh, with my youngest daughter. And it was just, it was such a, we were all there last year. they lost in the championship game and so yeah the bandits are huge for me and obviously i just think that the longer you're in a place especially with the passion that exists for the bills which you spend a a large amount of time talking about it's impossible not to feel it and so kind of my running thing after a while you know after years of living here was like i am a bills fan because I really want everybody to be in a good mood on Monday. Like, I'm tired of the malaise, the depression, the Monday. disappointment that, you know, you come into the office place on Monday. And, um, but we were also talking about just, you know, the expectations. And when that bar gets raised, like it has for the Bills, and and now it's starting to rise for the Sabres, it, it really reels people in. And you can feel that already as we sit here in mid-July.
1: Do you... As a sports fan and somebody who follows all the teams and not necessarily just like the Bills and obviously yeah, the Sabres, yeah. does it frustrate you a little bit? Like, it's, you take a team like the Bandits, mm-hmm. they're literally a championship team. Yeah. And sure, when the playoffs are, and, and let me say this about their fan base. Their fan base is rabid, it's awesome. You know, yeah. you go to those games, always has been that the, the fans that are in that arena are awesome. Yeah. I'm talking about the casual fan mm-hmm. who doesn't pay too much attention to them. Yeah. The, some media outlets who don't really give them a lot of attention during the regular season Mm -hmm. until it gets to be the playoffs. It's a little bit frustrating as a fan of these teams sometimes where there's so much in the, you understand to an extent why they're in the background, but still it doesn't get less frustrating. Yeah.
2: I, I think as a lacrosse fan, unfortunately, and I know the greatest legend in bandits history, John Tavares would feel the same way. Anybody that's liked lacrosse for a length of time, has felt this the entirety of their lives. We always wonder why the game has never kept on going. I mean, when Tavares was the best player in the world in the 90s and the Bandits won three times in their early years, like there was ESPN exposure. And But then it, it went away. And, you know, now you've got an outdoor league in the Premier League with Paul Rabel and his brother running it and getting incredible exposure, but it's still going to take X amount of time and who knows where it goes. I, I I think it's a fascinating study, though, the lac- lacrosse specifically, as far as what impact live coverage, live mainstream coverage, um, more daily media coverage, like what it actually could mean for the sport. It's just kind of always sat on the periphery. But I will tell you, one of the cool things about going into game three of the championship this year was the number of people in the plaza – and, you know, the surrounding area that were not only looking forward to the night with the Bandits, they were probably because of what the Bills have kind of set the the bar at right now. People were already envisioning, like, can you imagine if this is the playoffs for the Sabres? And so it's kind of organic a little bit, but I think what was different for me about that was normally Bandits fans are just locked on the bandits and that's fine that's as in a way as it should be but at the same time people are are just like they so want to be excited about everything right now and that's a really great community feel so that was kind of like the spinoff of this year's bandits win and i loved it Um, I
1: i'm so glad you said that because i saw a lot of videos on social media of the party and the plans that are going on during the championship yeah. and i instantly started thinking back in the day in the sabers yeah when oh my god it was just so much fun being a sabers fan and the enthusiasm for everybody like downtown would just yeah. be insane what is it about I mean, we're going to get into a bunch of things but what is it about like the actual bandits society the sport of lacrosse yeah that that, that you like that excites you
2: well, I grew up in a in a town that's about two hours away from here, uh, east of Toronto, called Whitby, Ontario. Mm-hmm. And obviously it's produced a lot of terrific NHL players. Wayne Primo, former Sabre, was one of them. Um, but of course, his older brother, Keith, was the more famous in the family. But Joe Newendike, Gary Roberts, I mean, long list. And, uh, and Joe and Gary and even mm-hmm. Keith, to a certain extent, were great lacrosse players. Um, my cousin back growing up, was a huge, really, really good lacrosse player. I actually played a handful of games for the Bandits, too. Oh, really? um, But the town itself is a lacrosse town. And in the old days, so to speak, it was like a handful of communities in Ontario and a handful of communities in British Columbia. And the winner would emerge from each province, and they would slug it out for the national championship, best of seven series in either jun- Junior A or in major series lacrosse. And then all these guys eventually would go on and play pro, Um, so I've been, and honestly for the diehards, especially the diehard hockey fans who still to this day clamor for more fighting, the amount of fighting that I witnessed as an eight, nine, 10, 11 year old in the arenas when Whitby was playing Oshawa or Peterborough or eventually Etobicoke or Brampton, um, like insane, like police would be called into the arena. There would be fights in the stands. And of course, like there was no second thought from the, my parents, like, Oh, you want to go to the game tonight? Sure. Like I'd probably ride my bike down when I like eleven years old, and then I'd be watching mayhem, like <laughs> absolute mayhem. But so there was always that component. But there was, there's just I think lacrosse is one of the most graceful, skilled, hand-eye sports that there is, and that's why the elite of lacrosse that do play hockey are so gifted. Adam Oates was. I always tell this story, even though Adam didn't play in Whitby, he has the junior A record. He scored. 28 points in a single game. Now, when when the Whitby team that I was what? watching, they used to dominate some teams, they'd win like 33 to 5 or whatever, right? Yeah. But for one player to have 28 points in a game, like it's ridiculous. So, <laughs> and Joe Newendike would have been as good or better a lacrosse player professionally than he was a hockey player. And that's really? that's no joke. He was he was that good. So, wow.
1: before we get into talking about your life and your career some, I'll spend a minute here. I I going to bring this up uh Give seven one six. Oh my gosh. Talk about that. A great well, a great thing going on. You know a little bit about it more than I do. Talk hey,
2: this about. is uh this is year three. In the last couple of years have raised over a couple million dollars. Uh obviously Amazing. it's a huge it, it it's it's community. Like you can't say seven one six around here and not feel like it's all right. inclusive. So the Bills and the Sabres predominantly, and obviously the bandits are gonna have a huge presence this year after winning the championship and just kind of carrying over that momentum, but Starting on Sunday night, which, of course, is the 15th, but at at 7.16 p.m., Mm -hmm. the fundraising starts on Sunday night, and then it goes all the way through to Tuesday morning at 7.16 a.m. So you've got that window of 36 hours, and it's Give716.org. And this year alone, 539 local charities, not-for-profits, will benefit from all this effort and it's online it's driven by power hours which feature like sean mcdermott and his family have always been a part of this where for an hour their family will match you know contributions up to a certain amount and but i think what's what is the most important thing to realize here is that the charities themselves are informed ahead of time like hey we're doing this. Would you like to register? It's an opportunity, as opposed to, and I've been a part of not-for-profits before, where you're, like, cold calling and banging on the door, and, you know, like, this is an actual opportunity for them to just simply register, and then, as the whole community under this sports umbrella comes together, the trickle-down effect is amazing. Like, yeah. it's just, it is it is spread out. It's, it's uh, like I said, you know, the, the power hours that happen. Sorry, I'm... Uh... My page is stuck here, but just just as an example, like when I mentioned the the McDermotts, like that'll be on Monday at two p.m. Mm-hmm. and they'll match up to twenty thousand dollars. Wow. So let's just say if like twenty thousand dollars comes in in that hour, they're they're matching that. That's like, amazing. and that's just one example. And you know, obviously, we'll we'll kick this off on Sunday, night. we have a tremendous long expected, I would say, list of sponsors because. We see these companies time and time and time again be the ones that are at the forefront of stuff like this. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, we're just we're super excited. Uh, Alumni presence from and current presence, I think, from the Bills and the Sabres and the Bandits. And uh, I know my old co-host Brad May is going to be back in town for it, which is pretty great. Marty and I were just joking about him a little bit on the air today. Because Brad is the life of the party, so you can't not smile and talk about him uh, whenever his name comes up. And uh, yeah, he's just one of them. So um, it's you and I were talking earlier about just how social media can have its drawbacks in today's world. This is truly one of those 36-hour windows where social media is absolutely at its best. Yeah.
1: And by the way, for everyone, it's give. 716.org. Yeah. Go check it out. Lots of, yeah. The like, there's
2: so much incentive, you know, like on certain hours, you'll be able to donate and get some lacrosse memorabilia or some Bills memorabilia or Sabres memorabilia, all just for choosing that hour to make your donation. Like, I love it. So, you can pick, you can check it out on the website, and then you can just figure out when or how. And obviously, like anything, there is no amount too small to just get involved in the donation. So,
1: that's great. All right. Let me ask you this, Brian. So, you, you mentioned Whitby, growing up in Whitby, yep, close to Maple Leaf Gardens, yep. Yet, and I read this about you. I do, I do my homework on this show, by the way. You grew up a Buffalo Sabres fan, yeah. How does that happen? Living mom, mom well, is still
2: to this day a diehard Sabres fan. Really? She's a day oneer. Um, Punch Imlac, uh Gilbert Perot, those are the names that I, you know, heard most often as a as a kid. So, of course, by the time I, I so I was actually. I was in the womb during the first season and then was born immediately upon its conclusion. Um, So, yeah, I I definitely have been connected to it all along. And, of course, I kind of adopted all my sports teams back in the day when I was extremely young. And the Sabres were really good, really quick. I mean, four years in, they're in the Stanley Cup final. You've got the French connection, the talk of the league. Yeah. And then you've got heroic secondary. (laughs) And I hate even saying it because... Danny Gare, as a league leading goal scorer in 1980, is not a secondary scorer. But, you know, you get you get Don Luce and Craig Ramsey and Danny Gare as. Hey,
1: motorcycle gang and motorcycle gangs. And motorcycle gangs. This is life. Boy. I know. It, it's <laughs>
2: just. Uh, I. It, it was just impossible not to love so many of the characters Jim Schoenfeld, Jerry Korab, Ben Boxmere, Housley, all the rest, and uh, Mike Fellino. Uh, I mean, it just on and on and on it went. Perot was my favorite. I can remember doing a. Um, oh boy, I think it was probably fifth grade. Like you know, when you have to get up in front of the class and you do your little public yeah. speaking, your oral presentation. Yeah. So mine was on Perot. Yeah, e- easy, easy topic for me, right? Like, I mean, it was. Uh, but yeah, like that's just—it's been a part of my life right from the Did start. You get a lot
1: of shit from friends growing up <laughs> because you're a Sabres fan. Yes, you, I mean, well, you grew up in okay. country. Okay,
2: so here's the thing: the Sabers were always better. Like, look at the Leafs historically under Harold Ballard and his ownership and, like, year in, year out. I mean, the Sabres were perennially in the playoffs for the longest time. I mean, one of the highest winning percentages in the NHL of any team that hadn't won the Cup, right? So so it was pretty easy, actually, to go through a lot of regular seasons because as much as they wanted to give me crap, I'm like – (laughs) <laughs> yeah just like look at the standings like seriously this is this
1: is not a hard concept so by the way it's starting to get and again doing this more live streaming if you're watching on the video yep, side of yep. this anyway Starting to fill up here at Imperial Pizza. We got motorcycle clubs going by. You never know what you're going to watch. By the way, apologies. At the very top of this podcast, I noticed after about 30 seconds, I had the sound muted. But anyway, that took care of itself after uh, the first 30 seconds. Okay, so you grew up a Sabres fan. Yep. I could get that. You're close to Buffalo anyway, and the Sabres are good. I also learned this. You're a Houston Astros fan. Oh, yeah. How How does that that, It's probably a little
2: harder to explain. And, of course, it was balanced as a kid because Houston was in the National League. Toronto was in the American League. Mm -hmm. And as you can imagine, we didn't have a lot of choice as far as what you were getting on television. You were getting the game of the week on NBC with uh, Joe Garagiola and, oh, my gosh, Tony Kubek, maybe. I mean, there was... There was a long list of great broadcasters, obviously, Um, but I think like the baseball memory for me as a kid was always what preceded the game of the week. And that was this week in baseball with Mel Allen. And so that was probably where my uh, fascination with the Astros came because it was late 70s again, really young Nolan Ryan, J.R. Richard. Like So I can only imagine how many times on this week in baseball I would have seen them striking out 10, 12, 15 guys, racking up 300 strikeouts in a year. So Nolan Ryan just became my favorite player, and it took a lot of years before the Astros, after the mid-'80s, you know, they had their drop, before they became really good and really relevant again, and then obviously the last, you know, the last decade has been amazing. Um, But I was actually at the first ever – World Series game in Houston, which was Game Three, two thousand and five, really? and they lo- they lost in fourteen innings to the White Sox, and and I've since been to multiple World Series since. I was there in twenty seventeen, was uh, in Houston in twenty nineteen in Washington in twenty one in Atlanta, and then I did not go last year when they won. But I was I was in attendance in. With my with my my good friend from the Sabers, uh, Paul Barker, we went to Game Five in 2017, which I will always maintain is the greatest, craziest game ever played. The Astros won 13-12 in 10 innings, and it was the most insane roller coaster of a sporting event I've it's ever.
1: If you're a fan of a team, well, I know you have some
2: superstitions, and Barks and I may have had some superstitions <laughs> that unexpectedly came out on that night, as far as like. When they got down in the first inning, like three or four nothing, I'm like, that's it. I'm going for a walk, you know? And then all of a sudden you're watching it from a completely different section. And man, like it's, but the one thing I love about all those meaningful sporting events is, you know, the old saying is like misery loves company, but the joy, the euphoria loves company as well. So if you're going through the tough moments in a sporting event, I always look around and I go, hey, hey not just me like that guy's feeling just as bad as i am right now but then in the moments where it's awesome when it's super awesome like you just feel the sheer joy of people like i remember um i was just talking about this the other day um the 07 playoffs against ottawa oh i'm trying to think of which early series game they won in overtime but regardless or even or scored late and then lost in overtime um but like Danny Briere scored with like ten seconds left, I turn and hug this lady who was like my mom's age, and <laughs> <laughs> and it was like this is awesome, this is great, you know, and and of course I did take my mom to uh, to game six in 06 when they won an overtime again, Briere leading to game seven, the infamous game seven against Carolina, but yeah, those are moments like you just they're unforgettable. Yeah. Either good or bad, they're unforgettable, but the good is obviously incredible.
1: You're, so. Well, you're singing my songs. I'm not an Astros fan, but we're roughly around the same age, yeah. So yeah. when you're talking about some of these players, I'm like, holy, shit, you know, I grow up, yeah, remembering these players too. And they were great players, yeah, the, the game of the week, things like that. Mm-hmm. I man, I, used to look, I still follow baseball, but not with the same passion, me too, that I used to. I really I don't know why, but it's just the way it is with me. Yeah. You mentioned something a few minutes ago, being in fifth grade and then to get out and give a class presentation. Obviously, you go on, you know, you're you're a broadcaster today. Was that easy for you when you were a kid to be able to publicly speak? No. For some people, it's natural. Some people, it's really hard. No,
2: there are a number of people in Buffalo now that would, would know that I am not, never have been. I think maybe just now, I finally turned a corner. Public speaking was never, ever. Even here, like, you know, after all these, I mean, I was... I was 20 years into my career by the time I came to Buffalo. Right. And, you know, you get asked to speak at fundraisers or whatever, and I'm just like, just so you know, like, I'm not, this is not my thing. Like, I'm not super, like, I'd rather just look at the camera or be in a radio studio or do a podcast or whatever because it feels more natural. And I think there's there's a strange, I've always put it like a strange extra pressure on myself when it comes to public speaking. Almost like you have to go beyond what your talking points are like you have to be even more of an entertainer or something to that effect, which is probably unrealistic and totally unnecessary. But, um, but I will say this, like just, um, just last week, for example, um, when the prospects were in town, um, for, you know, for the Sabres after the draft, we were asked Marty and myself and Razor, Danny Gare, Jeff Skinner, and we sat there with the prospects and just did like a kind of a round table, like a, a QA a little bit, uh, just a presentation. And it was funny because when I actually walked away from that, not like I haven't done these before, but I felt like it might have been one of the first times where I never overthought, you know, yeah. a public speak public, you know, kind of presentation. And I was like, Oh, that actually was really cool. I love that.
1: Well so, you, you play it off well. I would have thought I would have that <laughs> this was always Natural no, I'm a bundle
2: of, of nerves, man. I've always <laughs> been a bundle of nerves. So, we're not
1: too interested initially in wanting to be a broadcaster. Like,
2: oh, do you remember like, how old
1: you were? Was there like a no? A oh well, oh wait, sure, I can
2: tell you. I mean, I had no clue what I was doing in life at the end of high school. Yeah. I didn't want to go to college. Like, I didn't want to go four more years of school. I was, I was really, really, really not doing well at the end of high school. Um, was, was, was really challenged. I remember meeting with a like a guidance counselor at the high school. Like, what am I going to do? Like, how are we going to figure this out? And um, I mean, then at that point, I guess you kind of, you know, you took a few, like, little quizzes and stuff just to try to steer your, you know, your, maybe your education uh, background, interests, you know, what courses you've been successful in, whatever. Actually, I remember distinctly, one of the first things that came up was private investigator. I'm like, really? okay, but then in theory, though, like, you do, you do have to do some digging, and you do have to ask a lot of questions, so then it then it kind of like okay, okay, I get this. But honestly, I think the only reason I'm here and I've only I've done what I've done is I've loved sports from my youngest age, and my parents always had sports on in the house. It was always on the radio, it was always on television, in the car, on the back porch, in the kitchen. Like if the sabers weren't playing, yeah. Okay, change the channel. You can put the Leafs game on, you know, just to hear it, just to hear hockey and football and whatever else like it was always on. So I think instinctively, you just you recognize as a as a observer who the great broadcasters are. Right. So then then it just becomes, you know, um, I don't know. I don't even know what it becomes. It's just you're influenced by them. You don't even know it. Right. And then I would say early on
1: hot take alarm.
2: Early, er, early on in college, I remember I went I went out to Calgary to, to go to college, and Ron McLean, um came and did a little uh, you know uh, public speaking uh, day at the college, and I was like, "This is amazing." And then years later, I was in studio at Leafs TV, and I was the host, and my two guests were Ron McLean and Dave Hodge, who preceded Ron as the host of Hockey Night in Canada. And who would end up being a huge supporter of mine in a really unexpected way. And um, it's life, man. Like, it's it's crazy to think back, like, my early memories of watching Dave Hodge and then having, you know, I would say, just as a colleague, someone in the business that if I ever needed something, I could reach out and, you know, get an opinion or, or some guidance from him. So.
1: One of the, the things about doing this show and having so many sports media people on over the last five, five and a half years or so is learning the different paths that people take to get to ultimately where they are. Like I've talked to some people, like say Joe Biscalia, for an example. Mm-hmm. He was like five years old. He knew he wanted what he wanted to do. He mm-hmm. knew it. And then I'll talk to somebody like Matt Marino who literally flunked out. You know what I mean? Had no idea what in the world he was going to do with his life. Wow. And then now he's covering the Buffalo Bills. Mm-hmm. The guys are all, and the women are all... He, you know you're living your dreams but just various paths to get there. Now you mentioned you know you you worked for a long time before you even got to Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Some of the markets I, I gotta bring it written down before you got to Buffalo you worked in the Calgary in mm-hmm. Edmonton in Ottawa in Toronto. Like talk a little bit about you know you gotta you don't gotta go through one by one and talk about each single yeah, yeah, yeah. experience but just like your experience and working in some Different markets and, and what you learned about the job at the time, and just maybe in life too. What's well, been leading you to to Buffalo?
2: I think the 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 broad brush answer on that is that you know how when you hear like, oh, this fan base deserves a winner, or the these fans are the most passionate that I've ever seen. Yeah, <laughs> not true. Almost <laughs> a, almost every market I've ever been in, like it's rabid. Sports fans are rabid, and yeah. and so I lived. You know, a lot of my Canadian experience was during a troubled financial time for the canadian teams in canada quite frankly so beyond the hockey you were almost always dealing with like eh, where are they going to get the funding for this or the arena is it going to happen is the team going to move you know all that kind of stuff which at the end of it all it actually shapes you as a person and as a broadcaster because it you have to have a wider scope than just what's happening on the ice you know so for a long time i wasn't working for a team specifically i was working for media outlets. My first job in Medicine Hat, Alberta, was for a joint radio and television station. So half the week I'd be reporting on radio, the rest of the time I'd be doing it on television. So it was great balance. um, And I would say that it's impossible to, if somebody asks, like, how did you get here? I don't think there's an, an easy way to answer it other than you always or often in life need to have somebody in your corner, someone that believes in you. And for whatever reason... I always seem to have that next person. And a lot a lot of the time, like it was completely out of the blue. Like didn't realize that somebody respected my work, wanted to give me an opportunity here, whatever, whatever. And I'm just so grateful, so fortunate to have had that. And then I now, as you and I have shared almost our what our respective ages are, I try to be that that same kind of mentor because the beauty of this business is. Yeah. whether it's the players you're talking to or your colleagues in the business they're generally younger and it keeps you young and it keeps you fresh and however you can just kind of play a helpful role in it i love that now like i i am i was it's so like ge- team in a way. oh my gosh i was so fortunate to have so many good people guide me along the way and you know it's it's, it's how, amazing how long so. did it
1: take you to get confident in what you were doing you know you you, oh. you get started with your career great I mean, you're second guessing yourself a little bit at times oh. you know you might walk into a studio or you might do an interview or something and you feel great about yourself you're on top of the world that day and then the next day something goes wrong and you're rattled inside your mind and you're just trying to get through it like did, was there a point where like you just started to feel confidence in, in, in yourself
2: <sighs> man i don't know yeah. i don't know if it's ever i i guess there are some nights where you don't think about it as much but just you saying that like seriously the butterfly started for me because it brings up the tough moments yeah. It bring and, and it could have been something as simple as like when i was in edmonton and i'd be doing the afternoon sports cast right so i'd be hopping on at like 3 3 30 4 o'clock well you could have had six good ones but if you booted one really bad like that's all you're thinking about you're like oh my gosh like i completely failed i'm going to get thoroughly reviewed for like what happened here and but even then like the self policing that kind of happens through the course of your career it doesn't have to be like a boss being upset with you know uh oh, you shouldn't have said this or or whatever it's the internalizing of the moments where it's like oh my gosh like i got too nervous here or i was underprepared here or over prepared, meaning I just kept talking and talking for no good reason. You know, like you it's a challenge. You really do have to, you know, but I I, I guess probably because eventually, I mean, I love this place so much and it was a dream. And people are so respectful. Um maybe there is a comfort now where I don't think about it as much. But that being said, like when the pregame show ends and we've got a two minute window. And then when the broadcast starts and I'm the only one on there for like probably 30 to 50 seconds before we break. Right. I would say I'm still pretty nervous most of those times. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm guilty of not like over scripting stuff. So I think that's what adds to my nervousness a little bit at the last second. Cause I'm like, I don't have a script here. Like I'm just winging this. Like I, ha- obviously I have an idea of what we're going to talk about, but Every time, like I exhale after that minute, and I can't wait for puck drop because I'm like, "Whoo! Okay, (laughs) good. That was that was good. I'm glad. I'm happy with that." So,
1: I am here live at Imperial Pizza, a vibrant Imperial Pizza. A lot of action going on. Behind us, by the way, if you are watching the video, like motorcycles, Ambulance. ambulances, little kids trying to climb up the rail. And I don't know if you even saw that. I
2: did. Not. I did. I was enjoying it. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's part
1: of fun, With these live streams. You never yeah. know what's going to happen.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: let me go. Let me go this way with you. So we're 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 two dudes having a conversation right now. This just feels really natural, having a podcast. When you're in front of a camera on TV, yep. And I I, I want to liken this to say a sport. Was is, is there a point? Like where you know like with the good athletes and when they're good at their sports, it kind of slows down for them a little bit. Like when I for an example, when I used to do this podcast until I got more comfortable with it. I used to pace for hours before I'd have, especially if it was a guest on, you know, a pretty notable guest. I would be nervous. Yeah. I would pace and it would just replay my mind. It was like everything's going through my mind so fast. You know, like when you're on TV now, there comes a point where, and you admit it, you know, before the break, you still get a little bit nervous at times. Mm-hmm. But just like with sports, like I said, when, when, when the game starts to slow down for the athlete, do you feel that way in your mind a little bit mentally? Like when you're on with Marty or you have a it, guest yeah. on. Does it, start to, does it slow down for you a little bit in your mind? I think that's
2: I'd never thought of it in that context, but yes, you're 100% right. And it comes down to one of the best traits you can have in this business, which is the ability to listen. Yeah. Because if you're paying attention to the person next to you or your guest, that's all you need to worry about. Yeah. Because it's going to fuel the next question. You're invested in it. And when you're invested in it, your audience is likely to be invested in it because they're going to feel your investment in it, and when the producer is in my ear and the producer is clearly invested in it because they're not having to say too much because the conversation is going really, really well and it's impactful, and obviously, I say this, people are probably really tired of me saying this, I am so lucky to work with Marty because he is a dream to just be able to go in any direction with and he will always have something to say. Yeah. And then on top of it, his personality, his research, his, um, he wants to get stuff right. He's a rule book guy. So like when stuff happens in a game, like he knows, and if he doesn't know, he's going to do the immediate research to, and man, that brings such a comfort when you're in in the position got, that i'm sitting there the oh, oh my God. gosh it's it incredible to... but i but that being said like the number of ex players coaches management types that i have worked with since 1994 basically all incredibly different and every single one brings their own unique experience where you just go oh, i never thought of it that way and then you just keep learning and that's you know, the old adage, like you all like every day, it's a new opportunity to learn. And I do, I learn all the time from these guys. And to use
1: oh. yet another sports analogy, reps matter too. They do. Well, here's what I mean by that. You know, I'm doing the show with you now, and I've been doing this long enough. This used to be a problem of mine. I'd be, you, I would be thinking, so I'd ask you a question, and then you start talking, and I'm thinking in my mind, I already know what I'm going to ask you next. But then, yeah, you say something that really piques my head. i like, Yeah, you say something really interesting. Yeah, and I'm like, Yeah, yeah, yeah then i'm like oh shit i forgot what i was gonna cover. <laughs> this is how Dude, my mind hey, process okay
2: so i do that all the time yeah. and the other my current running joke with our crew on a daily basis on sabers live is i miss the obvious like i research and i want to do this oh this is a great little nuance i want to talk about this there could be a screaming and red letters headline on a web page <laughs> and i won't see it and i'm like so Marty bungled the uh, forest for the trees analogy the other day because of his you know English French yeah. and I am I am literally the guy who now can't see the forest for the trees <laughs> and I don't know why but I feel like it's a little bit of a running joke now so I'm fine with it so so you so start- if Tate Thompson scores 50 next year and that's not my lead story on the post game you'll know that I've been afflicted with this <laughs> This inability to, you know, to secure the major headline. Oh,
1: you, you spoke of, you know, spending a lot of years in other markets before you got the Buffalo. One yeah. thing I want to know that I don't know, I'm looking forward to hearing this from you, is how did you get the Buffalo? How yeah. did this opportunity come about for you to get it?
2: Yeah. Well, college in Calgary was two years. It was radio first year, TV the second. First job was Medicine Hat, Alberta. I mentioned radio and television. Mm-hmm. My big break was going to Edmonton to work Oilers re- uh, pregame on radio. And when you asked about my nerves earlier – This is no word of a lie. I drove from Medicine Hat to Edmonton, went in for the interview, was so nervous, completely bombed the interview, like completely destroyed any confidence I had in myself at the time. My future boss at the time said, don't worry about it, go back to Medicine Hat, air check your newscast tomorrow, send it to me, we'll go from there. I did, he gave me the biggest break of all time, and i'm forever indebted unfortunately mike passed away a year after that as i was getting my feet wet in a bigger market and he is i still don't know where my career would have been if he had not taken that chance on me and then toronto i was at the fan for a while which is an incredible group of guys and uh and you know we all kind of we were all really really young and you know, a lot of us stayed in the business for a long time. It's pretty crazy thinking back to it. And then yeah, worked on Ottawa. Uh, we launched a new radio station up there, and I felt like I was on the air all the time. Really? <laughs> oh, yeah, we had we had marathon pregame shows and postgame shows, and then history repeated itself. I went to Toronto, worked at Leafs TV when it launched, and we had marathon pregame and postgame shows, and so I got a lot of reps to your point. Like, there was a time at Leafs TV. Where I was hosting like eight different shows a week wow. between pre and post and this and that, and half an hour, sit down shows, you know, in conversation with people, uh, but it just kept, the reps just kept on coming. And then I was lucky to get onto NHL network, um, 2007. And then that was another huge break. Cause it was just, that was when it launched here in the U S and just kind of increased the exposure, made more connections with people, And, um, and then the opportunity came up here and I'm forever grateful, but I, because we're talking about this, I do want to say one of the coolest things that ever happened to me was we were traveling in Buffalo or we were in Philadelphia with the Sabres one night, let's say around 2014, 15, I got an email from a college professor of mine. She said, I was cleaning out my office and I stumbled upon this card. It was a thank you card that you wrote for me after second year. And it said, it said a lot of things. But the punchline is, I said to her, hopefully someday I can repay you by working for the Buffalo Sabres. Really? And I opened up this email, and Mayday is sitting next to me. And I'm like, dude, you're not going to believe this email. Wow. And, like, there we are, sitting up in the press box in Philadelphia, covering the Sabres. And she sends me this. I'm like, "Whoo,
1: this is pretty great. That is amazing. Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. Wow. So... That's awesome. So
2: I love that. You know, it was just like, because you asked earlier about like, did you know all along or whatever? And yeah. you don't, like, I didn't know until I was 19 or 20. And then you, people are teaching you kind of the ins and outs of what it could be like. And they're telling you all the crap, like terrible hours, high divorce rate, no friends because your hours are completely different than right. everybody else's. They're, they're like, you're working nights and weekends. Everybody else is having fun on nights and weekends. You're working, right? So it's. It Yeah, like it's it's a grind, but it's everything they told me it would be, and I'm incredibly blessed. Talk wow.
1: about – and we have we kind of weave Marty in and out of this conversation. Let's focus on that for a second. Talk about your relationship with him. Marty is a – of course I'm talking about Marty Braun. Man of the people. <laughs> yeah, man of the people. He was a popular player, which, by the way, is funny because he's been doing this for a while now. And just like, say, Eric Wood on the football side, mm-hmm. starting to see younger and younger fans – or just getting into the teams, start to know Marty now more for TV than they do as a player. Just like Eric, like you know, Eric, you know, he's the radio guy with the Buffalo Bills. Yes. Like, no. Eric played nine years for the Bills. It was an all-pro center. Mm-hmm. But anyway, kind of same deal with Marty, popular player. But anyway, talk about the chemistry that you guys have because I'm going to tell you this straight up, man. You cannot fake chemistry. People try. Mm-hmm. You see it all the time. I see many, whether it's a TV show or podcast or radio shows. Some people just don't have it. They don't have that chemistry. Try as you may, people see through that shit. I just, mm-hmm. just that's my personal opinion. I know I do. Mm-hmm. Anyway, you guys have chemistry. Yeah. You could tell. It's authentic. It's not forced. You guys seem to really enjoy each other, whether it's in the studio together, whether yeah. it's, you know, remotely when you guys are doing the show. Just talk about Marty and, and the relationship you guys have formed and the chemistry that you have, because that, that matters,
2: man. It, it does. I, I would say this I can't talk about Marty without talking about every step since I've joined the Sabres like I wouldn't be as comfortable on air today with Marty if it wasn't for Danny Gare like when I started and Kevin was doing the play-by-play and Danny was doing the color and Danny would join me on the intermission like he he made me feel to your team analogy earlier he made me feel like part of the team like Mm -hmm. like nothing I had experienced before so and then, of course, when I became full-time, then I was with Roby for the last few years of his career. Yeah. Again, like Mike's ability to boost my confidence, to put faith in me, like, hey, you're doing this right meant the world to me yeah. and still means the world to me. And then and then, oh my gosh, like Mayday and I had actually worked together at NHL Network at different times. And we actually had stood in the parking lot at NHL Network one time and, and said. Wouldn't it be cool working in Buffalo together. And we and then we did. And, you did. and and we laughed about it for the first year or two when we were together. And and Brad and I had chemistry for sure, but then Marty because of what you said, like he'd already established himself as a broadcaster, but then he just he wanted, I think, he wants to get better all the time. He is anything that's on your computer screen, it could be entertainment related it could be wildlife it could be geography like he wants to know the answer so it's it's fascinating to work with someone who's as passionate to learn about things and and i'm glad you i'm grateful and appreciative that you said what you said because as much as i do i can still get a little nervous or wound up before a show once we actually start the comfort is incredible because looks, i know because i know he's got my but i i don't
3: you know, even want to say that? i don't
2: even want to say he's got my back like it's not that's the wrong thing to say like you're not you're not gonna you know as hopefully no one's dying you know right. <laughs> during the course of the show like i mean i don't need you to have my back I um you but mean. you know what i mean right like it's just yeah
1: well to your credit and i'm not just saying it's because you're sitting next to me and we're doing a yeah. show right now but i'm not if you say that you still get nervous from time to time i yeah. certainly believe you yeah what i'm telling you is that it doesn't feel that way yeah. when you're watching. Yeah. So yeah. credit, credit to you for that. And like I said, I really enjoy the chemistry that you and Marty have going on right now. It makes watching the the show much more fun. And especially quite frankly for a team that until recently, you yeah. know, is not very entertaining. Right. And that's, times where the post game, the pregame might be more fun than the game itself.
2: Yeah. And that's where, you know, you benefit from those around you, the production. I mean, the one thing that we've, That you're always reminded of when the team doesn't win is how it affects every single person that is trying to market sell tickets produce content whatever every single person in the organization feels sure a lack of success that's why this emergence is the best thing to feel around the office place right like every single department you can feel hope again and that's a wonderful thing to be around and i you know, I just, I love it just from our producer, Joe Pinner, who we worked with forever. Like, it's always nice to even just hear it in his, you can hear it. Like, we're about to talk, hey, this is next, this is next. He may not know this, but I can hear the difference in his excitement level for any little thing that we're talking about. It's, it's pretty great.
1: What's the difference? I don't even want to ask you what the difference is. We all know what the difference is. You know. How does it feel to be, and again, you're you're a very engaging person, whether you'll talk to somebody, whether it's here at the bar at Imperial Pizza or yeah. you know, whether it's on Twitter, whatever it may be. You get asked about the Savers all the time. How does it feel right now to, to, to have people speak to you in a tone where it does feel I'm strange? Sure you're starting to feel the enthusiasm now. You're starting to, not even you feeling it, you're starting to sense it from other people when they're talking to you I'm asking you a Sabres question with some enthusiasm and some excitement. And I'm sure a lot of fans are doing that. I'm sure you notice that now. Like the tone has changed when people will come up to you and start talking to you about the team.
2: My honest answer I feel guilty because I'm trying to be measured through all of this. I don't want to be the hype guy. Like we're all seeing what we're seeing. Sure. But I'm not going to be like guaranteed this and they're going to do this, you know? So I'm trying to be the measured guy. So I, I sometimes walk away from these casual conversations, like maybe I should have been a little more excited, you know, but I'm more content just to listen to people share their excitement. I don't, we talk for a living. Like I, I don't need to be the one talking in this. Like if you want to come up and talk about why you're excited, I'm all ears. Like I want to hear that. That's that's why we're in the arena. That's why we're doing what we're doing, right? I mean,
1: so, you grew up a Sabres fan. Yeah, so, so I know it. I mean, what but I live it. Like, th- you know what it feels like to have excitement for a team? And I you, live it, I it for my
2: mother who's now in her 80s. Right. Like I want her to really great games. Like that's that's the best part. And I still get a huge kick out of like, you know, they're up in Canada so they don't always get our feed for the games. Sometimes they, you know, whatever get the visiting feed or a national feed or whatever. And It's still a great rush for me, either before the game or after the game, when I get an email or a text from my mom. Got to see you tonight, you know. (laughs) And it's
1: like it's pretty cool. It's
2: it's it's super rewarding. Without deep
1: diving into the team itself right now, because I wanted to have you on the show tonight to kind of just talk to you and talk about your life and your career and some feelings about some things. But again, without deep diving into the team, this is a a good time to be a Sabres fan. And it does it feel to you like expectations. I don't want to necessarily say if you don't make the playoffs, it's automatically a bust because there's lots of variables uh-huh. yeah. that can happen. Injuries, things could, you know, Jack Quinn yeah. already is it's just one. Yeah. Hopefully the only one, but you know what I'm saying. But do you feel like right now the expectations that are starting to be uh, bestowed upon the Sabres, a lot of national people are starting to really kind of get on board calling this an up-and-coming team, you feel like that's a justified expectation right now. Yeah. And it's reasonable, not necessarily, hey, playoffs or this season sucked, But it's reasonable for me to say, Brian, I think this team should make the playoffs.
2: I agree. I don't think there's any reason not to think that way. I I, What I'm what the the one thing like to go back to conversations with enthusiastic people, Mm -hmm. it's not that I'm ever sitting there painting uh, a, a contrary opinion to what I think the Sabres are. My mindset is always like, okay, but just remember the other teams that are in the hunt. Yeah. Because every So that's where my variables are often connected to. Like, okay, if I'm looking at this season upcoming realistically, Boston is not going to repeat as a record-setting regular season team. You could subtract 20 points off of their standings last year, and they might still win the division. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's cool. Because then those 20 points are getting spread out somewhere else. Are we grabbing them? Is Detroit... Is Ottawa, even if Montreal and Philly aren't great teams, are they going to be the same or better? So it's all a case of just how congested it becomes. And we saw that ultimate congestion at the end of last year, when you miss by one point, technically two, you know, just to get into the playoffs, Pittsburgh's not rolling over with a new GM and an aging Crosby and Malkin. They're going for it. They're going to keep going for it. They missed the playoffs last year. We haven't said that since 06. So Pittsburgh's not going to disappear. Washington is not going to ride out Ovechkin's remaining years trying to be bad. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So the, And these are teams that didn't make it. And the Islanders are just the Islanders. And as much as nobody likes watching them, they're still We're a team in, capable of making the playoffs. Yeah,
1: sure. So you can't just punt these teams out of the equation. That's, that, the thing. that's, that's my concern. That's You're, all. That's so. a great point because, sure, can the Sabers make the playoffs? Yes. All right. Well, then who's yeah. not me? Yeah. And they got to beat. The, they got to be better than all. the Marty has the
2: audacity to quiz me on this the other day, like about what teams could miss, and he's like, "There's one more," and I'm like, "Toronto," and, I, and he's like, "No, Boston." And I'm like, "You're telling me Boston could fall all the." But you know what? Like, if Bergeron doesn't come back, and then you look at how they look, and will they like? There are no guarantees, right? But what if what an, an unbelievable turn of events that would be, yes. if one of these spots open up opens up and it's like someone from the Boston or the Tampa realm of what we have seen in the Eastern Conference for so long.
1: Yeah, no, oh. it's a loaded conference. It, it really is. A is. Loaded. There's, there's a lot of good lot teams. There's good teams besides Buffalo that didn't make the playoffs, and you highlighted yeah. uh, a couple of them. Before we get out of here, a couple more things. Talk about. Buffalo. Yeah. all right so I had Howard Simon on not too long ago. Now Howard like you is not from Buffalo. You didn't grow up in Buffalo. If you you would never know that though. And what I mean is this. He I everyone it Howard Simon is a Buffalonian. Mm-hmm. You are a Buffalonian. You know, you grew up in Sabers fan. You've been here, you live here, you work here. You're a Buffalonian. What about it? What about the city? Living here now and, and all that endears <laughs> you the most like, Talk to him because we were talking over wings here Yeah, right? okay, yeah, yeah to talk him again. Um, You know, I went to Florida for five years And I really, went, during those five years And I lived in Buffalo my whole life before that I, I started I think I took it for granted how special This city is in some ways anyway How mm-hmm. special this city is And when I went, to, went away, I miss it I came back and now I don't take that stuff for granted anymore but Just talk about this city Like,
2: How is it daring to you? Well, there's two two sides to it, of course. The impatient side of me that just wants the city to grow quicker, provide more jobs for people, provide even more confidence in what we... I thought we were really hitting our stride to a certain extent before COVID, and then COVID really sure. really delayed, and not just here, obviously. But I do think we were feeling a resurgence in our community, and then it stopped for so many reasons. And so I feel like that train is still a little slow to leave the station right now, especially when you travel around and you look at development in other cities. So that's that's a little frustrating. But the only reason that it's frustrating is because I care so much because I've now been here so long. And I was able to have those caring connections with people right from the start. And I know anybody that has known me from the first time I hopped on the air here, like, my arrival basically coincided with um, a very high-profile tragedy when Alex Rice was a skateboarder who was killed, you know, um, while riding her longboard. And it was a very high-profile case involving, you know, driving under the influence. And I ended up getting involved in in a, a not-for-profit that we created in Alex's name to build a skate park for her in her honor, in her memory, at the Northtown Center. And... It took seven years, but in August of 2018, we got it built. And the only reason that I'm sitting here saying this five years later is I can't separate that. If you ask me about Buffalo, that's what Buffalo means to me. Yeah. Is that every year we did grassroots fundraisers, and every year more and more, some the same, but more and more different people came out and they would give whatever they had 10 bucks, 20 bucks. Hey, this is a tragedy. I just want to help. And like that that is Buffalo. And that's why as fitting as how we started the show, like that's why this whole Gift 716 weekend that well, I- kicks off Sunday night. That's why it's important. Like that's what I think of when I think of Buffalo. And it gets highlighted this weekend, which I'm so grateful to be a part of that. It to be to at least feel like in some small way by me doing my job and promoting it somehow some organization is going to get a few extra dollars Absolutely. to try to do their thing. Absolutely. And their thing is so impactful. What, Like I said earlier, 539. Would anybody know that there's even 500 plus not for profits in our community? It would be hard to know that. Right. But that's, that's how much people actually need help always. And we can't, it can't be just around, 16th of July, right? Like this is an ongoing thing. And I feel like, I feel like we're good at that, but like anything in life, we can always, we can always find a way to help more.
1: I tell you, I I think you said it perfect. You know, a lot of people will say the greatest thing about Buffalo is food. And don't get me wrong. (laughs) It's good. good. Again, when you live somewhere else, you would know that Yeah, you you don't take it for granted if you're somewhere else. But to your point, whether it's give seven, one, six, or whether it's community places like this and this is my single favorite thing about buffalo honestly to god i'm not just talking about imperial because there's endless yes. places that do good but like my favorite thing about this place as much as i love the food and all the other stuff and i've seen it firsthand they get back all the, time, all the time they give to the community all the time whether it's literally baseball whether it's time in high school basketball whether it's somebody's in a bad way and it's their fundraiser there's just so many things, and again, not just Imperial Pizza, just mm-hmm. tons of places around that, and that's just how it is in Buffalo. Yeah, if Little Johnny is playing travel baseball, and you're putting together a, a fundraiser or a bear blast, and, he, and you live in South Buffalo, mm-hmm. that community's coming out. Yeah, they're coming to your to your fundraiser, bear yeah. blast, whatever it is that you have. That's always been like my favorite thing, you know, about this city, and it's just. It's not perfect, you know. City of Good Neighbors, it is a city of good neighbors. There's a couple bad apples like you would find, uh, yeah, anywhere. Last question, then I'll let you go. Like, you know, we talk about your life and your career, obviously, some sabers and stuff, but like now at your age, you know, again, yeah, we're not young, we're not old, we're like in that middle. Like, what are some of the things that when you do have some downtime and you're yeah. not at work, mm-hmm. what are just some things that you like enjoy doing, whether it's around town or traveling? Yeah. What, what do you like to get after when you come? uh sp-
2: spontaneity is probably like the one word that would get attached to me because i just and it happened this week <laughs> the show ended at one o'clock and i had it in my mind like i eh, could maybe do this and by two o'clock i was out of my place i was on a seven hour drive to kalamazoo michigan where i'd not been before I had booked a hotel, I had bought a concert ticket, and I went and saw an artist that I really like, who was obviously not going to be in the immediate area, which is why I drove <laughs> seven hours to go see him. But That's then, awesome. but then it turned into, like, the perfect, a job-related trip, because on the way out of Kalamazoo, I stopped in Plymouth, Michigan, connected with Amerix Coach Seth Appert. That's where the national team development program is based out of, mm-hmm. where he worked before. He took me on a tour. I did the show from there that day. And then afterwards I'm like, Seth, I'm taking you out for lunch because of all the things you've helped me with. So I spent an afternoon in Plymouth just (laughs) chatting hockey with the Amherst coach after spending time at the development. Like you have to live, right? Like you gotta, you gotta, you know, don't be afraid to just, if, if you're able to, and I get it. Like I'm really, 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 really lucky to be able to just do that for a number of reasons. Um, But I also think that my girls who actually really, really love it here at Imperial, um, you know, at their ages of 18 and 16, anything that we do matters to me and I I cherish it. But I also love kind of showing that spontaneous side to them, too, that, you know what, sometimes in life, if you feel like you can just go on a three hour drive just to clear your head. Maybe get some enjoyment out of it watching theater or, or music or sports. It doesn't matter. Just kind of follow what's what's driving your passion for that day. And I, I, I'm I really lucky. I, I go to a lot of concerts. What kind of music
1: are you into? Tomorrow? I'm all
2: over the place. I mean, Taylor Swift was a huge highlight in May. I went down to Nashville. Wait, My buddy wait, Kevin. Wait,
1: wait, what? You went to see Taylor Swift? I did.
2: I was at the rain show in Nashville where it was almost canceled. And she came on at 10 after 10 and played till 1.30 in the morning no joke like craziest experience best probably concert i've ever seen simply because of what she and her crew went through to deliver what is her promise which is to always deliver the best show she is meticulous like professional doesn't even begin to describe how good she is and then the talent is is otherworldly um but you know i saw springsteen for the first time this year Tommy Prine is who I went to see in 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 uh, Kalamazoo. Tommy is the son of the legendary John Prine, who passed away at the start of COVID, who I've just gotten into, and the only reason, the only reason that I got into Tommy Prine is because Rustin Kelly has become like his mentor and kind of big brother and produced Tommy's album. And I'm a huge Rustin fan. And like speaking of spontaneity, like when the season ended this year, I went and saw Rustin. In four different places in a 10 day span Asbury Park, New York City, Cleveland, and Chicago. Wow. And why? I don't know. Like, why? Like, it's a valid question. Why would I do that? But I loved every moment. I mean,
1: <laughs> it's living your best life when you get yeah, to do stuff. Yeah. Like that. But it's oh.
2: like Americana. Um, I love a good pop song, so that's why I love Taylor. I mean, she's way more diverse than pop, obviously, but you you get what I'm saying. I was a heavy metal guy. I was a classic rock guy. I was a grunge guy. I was a pop punk guy. I'm an emo (laughs) punk guy. Like, I love it all, and I'm I'm grateful because I now soak it in through my girls, and it doesn't matter. It's like, if I see them liking something, I'm like, yeah, I'll listen to it. I want to know... I want to feel what you feel when you hear this music.
1: I am. I'm not saying this. I mean this. I am legitimately jealous (laughs) that you went to see Taylor Swift live. Like, (laughs) legit jealous. Again, it
2: all comes back to Kevin Kennedy, the South Buffalo legend. (laughs) I wouldn't have got there if he had – no joke. So this was November maybe when the tour was being announced and the tickets were going on sale, and I was sitting on the set about to do the pregame for the Sabres – Kevin is in Nashville now, and he texted me. He's like, I got two tickets to Taylor. Would you like to go? By the time the first intermission rolled around, I had booked my flight to Nashville. (laughs) I had Venmo'd him the money for the ticket, and I couldn't wait to get, like, oh, this is going to be amazing. And then five months later, it just happened to fall on my birthday down in Nashville, so we had a birthday weekend. It was was a blast. I'll tell
1: you right now, I... I figured talking about your life and your career and getting to know you for this show would be fun. I did not envision when we were sitting there having wings for the show that the highlight for me anyway would end up being a Taylor Swift concert <laughs> story. Trust what me, shit.
2: my girls are not thrilled that they were not there, uh, and I yeah. and I was. You so. know
1: what? I'm the, I can't think of a better way to end the show. Yeah. And talk about a Taylor Swift concert. One more time here live at Imperial Pizza, 1035 Abbott in South Buffalo. Get out here. If you've never been here. Get some food. You know the portions are deep. <laughs> they are deep. You know they're deep. <laughs> that is so the best way to put it. probably going to have leftovers. Great place. Check it out. And one more time, I want to say give716.org. Yeah. Go check that out. All on starts on outside.
2: Sunday night. We're going to have our launch party at 530 in the afternoon. And then at 7, 16 p.m. is when the campaign begins. And
1: fi- follow this fine young man on Twitter <laughs> at Duffer Savers. Wind up, everyone. It's been fun, buddy. Thank it's you. It's been much, great. Man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.